Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, July 11th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today we're talking to the host of a brand new Vice series called Latin X, which sheds light on a number of overlooked issues affecting the Latino community here in the U.S. The first episode is out, it's great, you should check it out, and we're super excited to see what's next. Latinx is a term that takes away the gendered framework of the Spanish language to create a more inclusive group identity. It also, as this show sees it, stands for all the people in the Latino community who struggle to fit into just one identity. The host of this show, a Latinx journalist named Paula Ramos, explores the people and the stories behind this concept. In the first episode of the season, Paula travels to the Texas-Mexico border to explore the hidden HIV crisis affecting the Latinx community there. We're so excited to have Paula in the studio today to talk about this first episode and the show more generally with Vice's Director of Community, Marina Garcia-Vasquez. I'm so excited about this new series, Latinx, and you're the host. Tell us a bit about the show. What is it about and what's its goal? The goal of Latinx is to tell the untold stories of young Latinos across the country with the premise that for so many years, people have not paid attention to the lives and the communities of young Latinos. Within that, we're trying to sort of define and explore what Latinx means, right? Like, what does that X, that undefined, ambiguous X mean? And the way that the show is sort of framing it is, X is whatever you want it to be, right? X is for those Latinos that for years have struggled to fit into one identity, right? X is for the Afro-Latinas, for the undocumented Latinos, for the queer Latinos. So it's, it's sort of a show for everyone and to embrace the beautiful diversity that is the Latino community. We actually published an essay that you wrote because you're so passionate about this term. Can you tell us about the first time you heard that word and what is the strength of that term? So I honestly, I can't remember the first time I heard it, which I think is a little bit of what I talked in the piece, right? Like, I can't remember the moment, but I do remember just sort of like hearing it and embracing it and and making it part of like my daily vocabulary and, and making it part of me. Why? Because it just it felt right and it felt natural and it felt it felt like me. So as I said, I think the term is for, you know, for people like me that are queer and women. And yes, we are Latino and we pride ourselves for being Latino and we know where we are. But we also feel different, right? We don't necessarily um, adhere to traditional norms, no. Um, and we want to define our community by its uniqueness and its openness rather than simply by, you know, traditional norms. Tell us about you personally. What is your heritage? Tell us about your family. Yeah, so my father is Mexican and, and my mom is Cuban. Uh, my father came to this country when he was about 19 years old and he came from Mexico because as a journalist, he couldn't report on what he wanted to, right? They, there was sort of, his company was censoring him, his government was censoring him, so that made him take the journey to, to come to the United States, right, and be the journalist that he couldn't be in Mexico. And my mother came to the United States from Cuba, again, because my grandfather was being persecuted by the Castro regime. So I think 
those two stories are sort of a reflection of a lot of the stories that define the Latino community, right? Is that our families come to this country for better opportunities, um, you know, and to find that freedom and that justice that they couldn't in their home countries. So a lot of me, you know, a lot of the privilege that I have had in my life has been has been because of what my parents gave me. They gave me those opportunities that they never had in, in Cuba and in Mexico. And because of that, that's sort of like the story that I carry in everything that I do, right? And everything that I've tried to do since, you know, since I've tried to have a brain. When in your life did you become an activist, an advocate? I always grew up with, you know, with my father and my mom and the stories of my grandparents. So I think since I was young, I always knew that I had to be involved, you know, that I, I knew what it meant to live in a democracy and that that in itself was a privilege. So I grew up with that. Um, and to me, the moment was when President Barack Obama was elected. Um, and in that moment, I felt like for the first time, I felt like this country really looked like me and was meant for me and, and was embracing people like me. So that made me move to Washington, D.C., right, and join the Obama administration. So that led to a couple of presidential campaigns and, and you know, many years working in D.C. and then working for Hillary Clinton. But always with the idea that we can do better, right, that there are undeserved communities and, and that it's my responsibility to uplift them the same way that my parents did for me. Growing up, did you feel a duty to follow in your father's steps or did you find power in the role of a storyteller first and foremost? Yes, I think my dad has always, always inspired me to seek the truth, but mostly, I think, to give voice to those that can't speak up. Right. So so I grew up with that in, in my mind. He chose the more traditional journalist avenue. I chose politics. But I think now, you know, particularly after the 2016 election, I noticed that the one thing that was missing in politics and in these campaigns was that we weren't really talking to people, you know, that we didn't really know how to reach Latinos, how to talk to them, how to talk to young Latinos in a way that they that resonated with them. So that has sort of changed the way that I do my work, right, and focus more on storytelling and, and truly just talking real talk with Latinos, right, and, and explaining things in, in a way that is more simply to create awareness and to get people to care. Talking about real talk, I wanted to circle back to the series. You recently traveled to southern Texas to report on the HIV crisis hitting Latino youth. How did you decide to cover this topic and what was that experience like? The topic reflects a lot of what the series is about, right, which is untold stories within the community. And I think what everyone discovered, right, as they were preparing the story is no one is talking about the fact that there is a huge HIV epidemic in the border. No, no one knows about it, right? Not even Latinos, no one. So as HIV rates are decreasing across the country, they're not decreasing among the Latino community. So, so that was sort of the impulse, right, to talk about not only this crisis, but mostly to sort of expose the incredible people that are working on the ground to do something about it, right, that are using the most unconventional, untraditional ways of combating this crisis. So I think that was the impulse behind that. Why is this issue going untalked about or unseen? Well, I think for starters, generally, HIV continues to be this taboo subject, right, across the country, really, um, even though we know that it's OK and that you can live a, an amazing life with HIV, that we know that. But then on top of that, the fact that it's in the valley and that it's affecting predominantly Latinos that also adds to the taboo, right? Within the Latino culture, there are so many stigmas and barriers that prevent people from openly talking about their status or their sexual orientation. So I think all of these different factors combined make it an even more of a taboo subject and the border that no one is talking about. But that doesn't mean that people aren't doing something about it. So that was sort of the, you know, the, the storyline. What did you expect to see when you arrived in Brownsville? Honestly, I think no one knows what like border communities are like. And I, I didn't. You you read about them. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that are from there. But when you're there, it's sort of this like 
black and white, right? It's beautiful because it's our culture and it's our language. And you understand that's where like so many of our people come from. And that is the beginning of so many people's journeys. But at the same time, that's like where all the barriers that are constantly obstructing our community live, no? So yeah, so we met incredible people, but you also understand why it's such a struggle, right? Why it's so hard to get by in the valley. So yeah, it's a beautiful place. But to me, the, the main message is, you know, People need to focus more on, on helping those communities and we need to give more resources and we need to be sort of, you know, telling those stories, which I hope is what the series is, is doing. There's this pretty powerful scene in the piece where you're eating breakfast with Sebastian's family, his mama and his abuela. Sebastian is one of the characters in the first episode of Latinx. And we see three generations of Mexicanos seated together to talk about the stigma of being gay and being out. And as a Latina, I was struck by the intensity of that traditional closeness of the familia, but also their desire to accept and love each other. What was your approach in capturing this moment? So I think that scene, that scene captures, you know, the story of the Latino community, right? And what I mean by that is that there may be barriers, right? And there may be stereotypes and there may be stigmas. But at the end of the day, Latinos, like, we love people, no? There's there's so much love in our communities and in our families. And you can see that in, in the scene with the mother and the grandmother that even though, you know, they live in Mexico and even though they live in the border and even though, as you will find out in the series, they come from, you know, from very traditional families, they accept Sebastian. They love him unconditionally, right? Even though they go to church and they believe in God, at the end of the day, Sebastian is their, is their son in drag and without drag. So I think that's also part of the story that, Yes, we need to understand these stigmas and these barriers, but there's also a place where, like, the X can unite more people. And I think that's the point of Latinx, that these stories can actually bring us together rather than continue to sort of, like, alienate ourselves. Which brings me to my next question. Uh, for this series, you really are redefining Latinx in a new way. Why? We're redefining Latinx because we want more people to own it and to be proud of it and to embrace it, right? We want to include everyone that historically and traditionally has not been included or feels like they have not been included in the Latino community. The one huge incredible difference between us and, and a lot of other people in this country is that we are so diverse. We speak different languages. We come from so many different countries in Latin America. We are queer. We are black. We are trans. We speak English and Spanglish. So I think we're, we're redefining what it means to be a young Latino in this country. And the X is a welcoming for everyone. Lastly, what are some of the stories you hope to touch on with this series? We're going to focus on family separation, right? We're going to go to Arizona and focus on the trans Latinos that are in ICE detention centers and understand not only what it's like to come to the United States, but what, what it's like to rebuild your life in this country, right? As a new Latina or Latino, as a trans Latina or Latina. So those are the stories, right, across the country that, that we're trying to tell. I think that as Latinos continue to be attacked every single day, I'm excited about the fact that this series is going to uplift everyone, right? And, and is going to continue to telling stories that are not being told. To watch Latinx, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening and tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. 
Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>